can I complain to you for a moment? No. Okay, great. So, podcast over. Uh, see you next week, everyone. So, I came back from British Columbia. I don't know if you knew I went to British Columbia. But I drove to British Columbia, and I'm going to continue saying the full name of that province every single time I bring it up. British in, District of Columbia. I was in the British District of Columbia in a town called Vernon, of all places. And I was there for some business-type stuff. Uh, it ain't personal. It's business. Do not know what that's in reference to. It's Dan, Dan Harmon. Oh. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, Anyways, he, I come he's back. Doing an, he's doing an iced tea impersonation, so he's like, it's not personal, it's business. That's my that's best racist. iced tea. I'm sure that's racist. I well, he, In Rick and Morty, he vo- voiced iced tea. Did he really? Yeah, that's and then so be, he became water tea, if you remember that episode. Uh, barely. It's the Swifty so episode, I believe. Hmm, yes. Yes. Uh, so I come back from this trip to the British District of Columbia, and what I discover when I come home is that my furnace is not working. I could fix it for you. And my hot water heater is not working. I could probably fix that for you too. I don't know much about water heaters, but they work in a kind of the same. Basically the same way, except it's, it's doing with water. Weirdly enough, basically the same part on both broke, which is that igniter. Uh, they call it something. It's not the igniter. The igniter was fine. It was the piece that basically checks the air, so it knows that what temperature it is. So it all actually fire the igniter. It was that piece that was not working properly. I know the uh, name of that piece, and my yeah, brain. I, my I brain, should know what it since is. I've been. I've been out of. Uh, I haven't done the uh, AC uh, HVAC for about. Uh, it's almost a year now. Uh, yeah, you know we don't bankrupt. We, we we don't talk about this, but you actually did moonlight for a while as a CSI furnace investigator. Yes. And you had that deal at CBS, it fell through, but <laughs> but it was uh, just the, I'm yeah, it was the 30 second spinoff of the CSI, the storied it was, it was, CSI yeah. franchise. And you were trying to co-star with Ted Danson, if I'm not mistaken. We we uh, we did. He was done with uh, the, the main uh, CSI, and then he spun off to uh, CSI OSHA. Right, so, yes, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Trying to fix all those OSHA claims. Make sure that and everybody's wearing a hard hat. Gotta have your yellow vest on. Hey, 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 buddy, buddy. Safety first, okay? Come on. Come on, safety first. Also, there's a grizzly murder right next to you, so... Too bad we don't deal up. with that. Good thing we don't deal with that. Did you fill out the right forms, though? The, Thank uh, you. The uh, Thank cause you. of death is the igniter. Yes. I think I nailed it. So anyways, I finally get someone. Basically, I was showering in cold water and waking up freezing every morning. It has not yet actually gone past the freezing point in Calgary yet this year, but it was getting pretty close. You didn't boil water? A couple of degrees away. I boiled water to to shower, but that's about it. Um, Also, before I went to bed, of course, I doused myself in just the hottest water I could and then laid in my bed because I've heard that that makes you sleep better. Uh, anyway, so I got hypothermia and no, so it was very cold in my house. Uh, the water is very cold everywhere I go. Finally, I get someone to come out. This is very compressing this story. He's able to replace the part for like 300 bucks, Canadian dollars, to get this part fixed. Then tells me that the motor 
This is so interesting to people at home. Oh my god. Anyways, the motor uh, that that spins that actually pushes the air out through through the furnace. He tells me, "Hey, this is still working." However, it's kind of on its last legs. It, it's it's running a little high on the amperage, a little bit too high on the amperage. So it could last a couple more months. It could last like a couple more years. We don't really know. But just so you know, we could fix it now or you can just wait until it breaks. I'm, I'm Hopefully really it doesn't ho- break really, in the winter. I'm really hoping you didn't fix it now. I did not fix it now. Oh, thank God. Um, but that's what he told me. As far as the water heater goes, the part that they need to fix that is like around $700. And he said, so you can either purchase that part. It's a eight-year-old tank. They're, whatever, rated to go 11 years. So you could either fix this, probably work for another three, four years, or buy a new hot water tank. And that's where I'm probably going to go is buy a new hot water tank. But I don't have the money for that. So I'm just going to keep uh, the cold water around for a bit. Have you, have you thought about switching to the uh, tankless water heater? I don't know what that is, so well, I it, don't know. It basically, instead of a big tank that keeps it heated 24 hours a day, it heats the. It has a pipe, basically, right. and it, it heats what you are using. Oh, I see. There's something... You would uh, think that's... the phrase tankless water heater would give it away. You would think, but I am a dumb. Uh, the There's something... About because that has to go straight from the water source, obviously. There's something that I can't do that because I am the top level of a condo unit. So there's someone underneath me. So I think there's something there because I think he mentioned that about that would be what he'd recommend, but I don't think he can do that because it would have to impact the people below or something. I can't remember how it goes. Anyways, um... Maybe something to investigate. Anyways, I'm just blowing a lot of money on these things that keep failing in my house. So if my house mysteriously burns down, it totally was not me. I'm just going to put that out there. Well, as long as you're never smelling gas. The first thing you do if, you're, uh, if your furnace or water heater isn't working is, is uh, make sure you don't smell gas. Mm-hmm. And at that point, if they're not working, you might as well shut off the gas. Yeah. It's basically the same rule of thumb as when you go out on a first date. You First, you check for gas, and if they're not working, you, you, you turn off that gas. What we learned today on the uh, Kavanaugh hearings is yes. he, he and his friends call boof, boofing, farting. But I googled boofing, and it actually is anally ingesting drugs, specifically amphetamines. Ah, yes. You know, but but Kavanaugh, he he didn't know that, and he has a lookalike that also uh, could have said that exact same thing. We just don't know, Grant. There's doppelgangers all over the place. Okay. Well, he's a doppelganger of all place. All right. So welcome to whatever this is. This is the podcast where two guys sit down and try and discover. Well, you know, whatever this is. My name is Kyle. I am talking with Grant. Has never doppelgang banged Tingley. Uh, that's not true. Whoa, okay, I'm going to have to unpack that a little bit. I was just going to ask you, have you ever have you ever gotten blackout drunk? Of course. I How think, many times? I think most people I think most people that drank in college mm-hmm. um, have. Especially like the the first few times you're getting into this drinking thing. Um it's Can I just tell you. 
can uh, this is uh, and this is a thousand percent true story when i went to college or university here in canada when i went to university my lips were virginal okay i had not had a sip of alcohol yeah until i went to university and so day one of course there's a big old party on the floor of my residence and that was when i polluted these gorgeous plump cherry lips with some alcohol with some really bad like two dollar beer and uh then i woke up and i graduated i apparently <laughs> did four years four years and i got my degree so what i'm saying is is do it okay bow to that peer pressure you drink as much as you possibly can i've only been blackout drunk once one time so i'm i can never become a a chief justice well there's um I think there's a there's a big difference between uh, blackout drunk and temporary in uh, uh, what is that where you forget everything? Fugue state, temporary insanity. Well, no, temporary amnesia. Oh right, right, right. Temporary amnesia drunk because there's that there's sometimes where you wake up in the morning and you're like, what the fuck happened last night? And then like at lunch you're sitting there eating a BLT and you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, I'm like that, but for years of my life. <laughs> what was that? What happened last year? Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, this is something that I'm going to ask you, and I don't know the answer. And I don't know if anyone knows the answer, because why would you? But you know how the, the president, there's that clause where you need to have been born in the United States to become president. Right. Which is why Obama should never have been the 44th. We all know this. But I got. I have an important question to you. Well, can I ask my question okay, first? Okay, It might be the same okay. question. That's why I wanted to ask mine first so I could okay. be like, so I could disappoint you. Because I love when I do that. Uh, yeah, my yeah. my most a, favorite thing a... in the world is disappointing Kyle. <laughs> yes, it's great. Is I was wondering, is that same thing true for Supreme Court nominees? Do you have to be born in the U.S.? That's a really good question. Because I know Secretary of State, cabinet positions don't have that issue because Henry Kissinger... Uh, was Secretary of State, and sure. you can't understand a goddamn thing he's saying. Yeah, I, right. Austria, and he's also he's Austria's also a war worst. criminal and should be in jail. But you know, well, whatever. yeah, Austria, Austria is sending their worst, their rapists, their drug dealers, and some I assume are Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, well, yeah, well, there's, Arnold Schwarzenegger also has his uh, set of baggage as well. But, uh, but yeah, obviously well, his, he was his not. Baggage, he, his he, baggage he can is be a twenty-three-year-old. Sure, but. Yeah, so governors and I'm assuming people in Congress and, and the and the Senate don't have to be necessarily born in the U.S. President does, which means that I guess if you are president and you have a vice president that was not born no, has in to the be, United ha, States. Uh, vice president has to be born in the United States. Is that true? I think so, yeah. Okay. I was just saying that if something happened to the president, then it would have to skip over the vice president based on that other one. It's very fascinating, isn't this? Uh, well, there, anyways. there's probably a rule with like how deep in the line of succession you have to be born in the United States. All I, I know is that Kiefer Sutherland is like third in line, and I feel comfortable with that at this point. Well, it, it, Kiefer Sutherland was up for a SCOTUS nomination. Uh, but He was. But but they showcased the video of him drunkenly jumping into a Christmas tree, and that is now why he's Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. I mean, that's America. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Grant, I've been 
it's weird because I haven't really watched any YouTube or Netflix at all for like the last three months. And yet this last week I binged two TV shows. I, let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. Yeah. Yeah. Bojack Horseman. You are correct. And American Vandal. Not correct. Oh, The Good uh, Place. You're right. Yeah. Second okay. season of The Good Place oh, that, that was... just came on Netflix. And I believe as we're recording this, third season is debuting uh, tonight, which <laughs> I will have to wait a year to watch. because I'm so, I'm so upset that I didn't get that right. Yeah. You, you really got to watch the uh, American Vandal, though, because the yeah, vil- people the, keep telling me that the villain in that is the turd burglar. Is that, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I've heard that it. The, the setups are pretty juvenile, but it actually goes to some pretty deep places as far as what it's trying to say. Well, uh, but let's, there, it's interesting because there's also class, uh, mm-hmm. discussions of class, uh, not like if you're a classy person or not, but lower class versus upper class, how the upper class abuses the lower class to make the upper class better, uh, how status is evoked, uh, how people use the upper class to make themselves look like upper class. It's it's there's a lot of fascinating undertones with American Vandal season two. You didn't expect something what? intelligent coming out of my mouth just now, did you? I didn't. It, it totally shocked me. So uh let's uh let's segue from there until I actually am able to watch it. Uh I think we really need to talk about Bojack Horseman season five. Oh now I gotta remember because I watched it um I think I watched it the Saturday uh, after it came out. Right. Because I totally forgot that it came out that Friday. Well, it's like two and a half weeks ago, I think. Yeah, is when it came out. Because I, you know, I would have stayed up all night watching it if of I course, remembered. That's, that's that's your mo. You always you you do that sort of thing. Uh, so I think there's a lot of stuff that could be said about it. I think what gets lost a lot when we talk about it specifically is that I do think this is a very funny show. It is primarily a comedy show set in a very weird world where humans and, and animal, what do they call that? Uh, anamorphic, anamorphic, I guess. Yeah. Uh, beans kind Mighty of live side by side and it's not weird. rangers. Yep, that, we don't have the, the rights to that, so well, I wasn't, I wasn't even on the, I don't think I was even on the notes, so we're good. <laughs> Nowhere near. Anyways, I just don't want to go past this conversation without being very blatant and say, this is a very funny show. I do still think I had a conversation uh, with somebody on Twitter recently where I stated like, this is just a great piece of fiction and just a great piece of art overall. It's unfortunate that like the first six episodes are not a great representation of what this show becomes. Cause it, it's a bit of a slog. I believe to get through, to really uncover the good stuff. And they asked me, should I just jump into season two? No. And that was so hard for me to answer. Like My quick answer is no, but at the same time, like I don't want you to get fed up and, and stop watching just because of those mediocre first few episodes. Well, what I think of the first six episodes is the most boring part of building a house is laying the foundation. Sure. And I think that's what those first six episodes are. It's laying this foundation because uh, whatever the guy's name – Raphael Goodman Waksberg or something like that. Yeah. What, what, Michael Landon. Um, he's, uh, I think he, he knew exactly where this was going the whole time. Oh yeah. I think he has this deeply, uh, figured out Raphael Bob Waksberg. Oh, you're pretty close. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, so what I really wanted to wait, wait, wait here. one second. Raphael yeah. Bob 
Bob Waksberg. I'm pretty Raphael sure the Bob, Bob is. I'm sure the Bob is not true, or it's like a shortened for a uh, version of some other name. It's like Jebediah Bill. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> um. So, I think I don't even know where I want to start with this. Grant, this is this is the basic. I guess, underpinning of what this season is all about. Uh, and definitely, we're going to spoil a bunch of stuff here. Uh, where I want to talk about two things in particular. The last episode, and I think it's episode four or five. I think, it, I think it's six, the free churros. Right, whichever whichever one it is that he that is him uh, at the eulogy talking about his mother. Which is basically like, there is no, I don't think there's really any cuts until the last second. Uh, they... There's a few. Oh, I see what you're saying. There's definitely close-ups and stuff that yeah. zooms in and out and kind of goes around. Well, it's essentially a one-shot for 21 minutes. Yeah, it's it's a very bold choice for a animated show to make, where it is we are going to stay on one person for 22 minutes. Uh, there is actually cuts to to memories and stuff like that. So oh, I guess yeah, there okay. is. Yeah. That's that's right. Uh, but basically, we are staying on on BoJack for 22 minutes as he basically yeah, does a soliloquy. He well, does a speech if for this that ep- long. If this episode doesn't get Emmy nominations, yeah, I would be they're... so surprised by next year if it does not. Well, it, Do you... like I don't think it's gotten a Emmy no- nomination yet. And there's a lot of people in the world because like Rick and Morty, I think got. I think got one this year. Yeah, it finally won this year. So, you know, I and I think BoJack Horseman is better than Rick and Morty. And I think BoJack Horseman, like many people say, is probably the best animated show on TV. Maybe one mm-hmm. of the top five an, or TV shows on TV. Yeah, I, it, so I'm just quickly <laughs> looking up here. It has gotten writer, like WGA nominations. Uh, what episode actually, did you get the WGA for? It actually won... Let me just look at this. WGA. I said WJ. It, it won in 2017 for Stop the Presses. I don't remember which episode that is. Yeah. And let me think. Let me do, 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 do. And that looks like it about it. No, fi- no oh, fish no, out of no, water? Uh, no. But Times Arrow won for 2018, apparently. Anyways, just stuff to know about. Uh, so I think that that's such a bold choice, just staying on the person. But I think... Bojack going through all those different emotions about, and this I think informs how people start to feel about him is that he both loves his mother and hates his mother at the same time. There was some fascinating. See, there were some yeah. fascinating sentences where he starts out despising his mom, and then by the last word of the sentence, you can tell he loves his mom. Yeah. It's just in um, an amazing the Will Arnett performance is just incredible. Yeah, I'm very. I would love to dig into that episode a little bit more and really know if that was he practiced that and did that all in one performance, or was that just like cut up into a bunch of different performances, or was that like the the third run through in the same day? Like, I really want to know like how they patched that together specifically because yes, a it is a phenomenal voice performance that Will Arnett gives uh, as BoJack. And one of the things I love about uh, the fiction that I consume is that I enjoy it when I figure something out that the, like I figure something out that the character hasn't figured out, but only like a few seconds before they figure it out. Right. Right. 
And he keeps mentioning the fact that his mother kept saying, I see you, I see you, uh, as her final words to him. And like, this has some sort of meaning. I'm trying to figure out what this meaning was. And I think he's coming to the conclusion that maybe it didn't mean anything. And then he finally was like, we were in the ICU. She was just reading a sign. And whether that is true or not, I mean, that does that does make sense, obviously, to him in that moment. And there's this crushing realization that, you're right, those last words didn't mean anything. She didn't understand me. I don't know if she ever liked me as a person. So where does that put me now? Like, what is that? Where Where am I in the world if I am this person who's supposed to be eulogizing my mother, but this is a person who didn't like me, I didn't like her, but at the same time, I did love her. There's, there's this weird juxtaposition there. Yeah. Uh, however, I think at the by the end, and I, I was reading some interviews with this Raphael character, and he was mentioning how he felt somewhat bad that he created this character, Bojack, who in essentially season one, he is this character who you are meant to not like. You are not meant to like BoJack Horseman, the title character of the show. He is shown to be manipulative. He is shown to be pretty mean to the people that are around him. And just an all-around kind of depressing bad guy or horseman, if you will. He, he needs, and, he's desperately in need of enablers. Yeah. And, and, he, and, he, and he, uses his, he uses his manipulation – uh, like in the episode where Todd wrote the musical, the the space opera, right? He, he right, gets right. Uh, character actor Morgan Martindale to yeah. get Todd addicted to a video game, just to keep Todd in his house. Yeah, and like him, like he needs those people around to make himself basically feel better, but he has no desire to actually change, and he wants everyone around him to enable him while at the same time not having him actually try and do anything. Well, it's, it's fascinating uh, that he, he has no desire to change, but he knows he should change. Yeah. Which is a fun choice to make right there. Yeah, so like, and that's what I find, what I love about the show, is that he's a very complicated character, and there's a lot of stuff to wrap your head around. Uh, anyways, the, the creator, this Raphael, Bob Waksberg, uh, said in an interview that, so he creates this character in season one, and in season two, through some choices... He kept getting this feedback that, oh, we like Bojack now. Like, Bojack is a good guy. And he was like, but no, he's not. Like, he, he's still not a good guy. Yes, he has done good things, but that does not make him a good person. You should not be saying that you you necessarily even like Bojack. You're not supposed to be, like, uh, let, allowing him off the hook. Uh, so what he, he said his mission was this season specifically is he wanted people to start to hate Bojack again. Right. He, and definitely a couple seasons ago, he made a choice to uh, be in that boat with a, uh, a friend's daughter that comes back to haunt him now. And I think they did a good job. I, I think that there's that speech between him and, um, Oh man, Alison Brie, who's she voiced? The character she voices is somebody. Somebody with a new haircut. Well, it's something to win. Yes. Yes, it is. List of characters. We have Alison Brie as Diane. Yes, as Diane. So there's that conversation between Bojack and Diane at the very end where she basically states kind of the same things that we've been talking about from the eulogy, which is like, Bojack, I hate you, but you're my best friend. 
so I'm here to help you, even though I hate you. Well, and I thought, like, boy, that is such <sighs> a deep cut, but I get it at the same time. It's uh, Guillermo del Toro recently came out and said that Better Call Saul is a much better show than Breaking Bad with a better lead character because um, Brian Cranston's character – now I can't remember his name all of a sudden. Who uh, got Walter White. Walter White is a horrible person. Yeah. He always wanted to be bad. So he never really broke bad. He just at the you know the last season he's like I did this all for me, I wanted right, to do right. this. He eventually <clears throat> comes and and states that. But Guillermo del Toro talks about how Saul is a tragic figure. He falls from this graceful like he he's an eager person that wants to do right, uh, yeah. but he has all this stuff against him. He's the younger brother of somebody that's much more talented than him. You know his brother hates him but loves him but hates him, and. Right. Um, and so he, he, his brother had this opinion of him ever since childhood that his brother uh, put all this weight on Saul. Um, I mean, Jimmy McGill put all this weight on Jimmy uh, because uh, he thought that Jimmy basically killed his father through all the stress that he caused, you know, and like Slippy Magoo or whatever, Slippery Jack, I forget what that was, where he'd slip on ice in front of people and get right. them to give him money and you I know. have to be really honest here right now I've only seen season one of Better Call Saul well you know Slippy whatever that was in season one. Oh, Slippy Magoo and the, the Cleveland sunroof or whatever that was called is that a sexual position it's when you go on top of someone's car and shit through their sunroof I believe oh great mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I call that first year of college uh, I so, you so, didn't why, remember your first year of college. Why Why are you bringing this up? Sorry, how does this relate back to BoJack? Well, no, because uh, in because uh, uh, Walter White was a shitty person. Yeah. Where BoJack's a shitty person. That's all I was bringing up. Guillermo del Toro. Okay. Guillermo del Toro saw the sees the difference between the two, and Raphael Bob Ginsburg uh, sees that Waxberg Waxberg. Mm-hmm. sees that there's a distinction between a shitty person and a good person trying to do good or but keeps failing whereas Jimmy McGill is the good person that keeps failing whereas Walter White was the bad person that was that appeared good but in Breaking Bad people were still cheering for Walter in season 5 when he was at his evilest yeah you know he killed I... Gail Bedecker you know and he manipulated Aaron uh I can't remember his name. Jesse. Jesse. Manipulated Jesse to do horrible things. Interesting that Aaron Paul is in both of these shows, but yes. So that Uh, that was my point. I had a point. Normally, I forget. Yeah, I remembered it. I think the amazing thing that Raphael Bob Newhart has done here in this show (laughs) is simply remind the audience that this is – Sure, again, an animated show, a funny show, and and something that you should be laughing uh, along with. But if you have started to think of BoJack as this good guy caught up in bad circumstances, he is there to really remind you and hammer home, no, he's not. And stop enabling these bad people when we should be condemning them. Mm -hmm. And I think this is very clearly... A shot at current Hollywood, 
uh, and the whole Me Too thing that is going on and still very, very importantly going on. Uh, because you do have Diane say there at the at the end is like, you knowingly, uh, you know, wasted some of your prime years. You then uh, took and corrupted this child actress who came to you for help, fed her drugs, and had her die. Oh, had sex with her, and then uh, had her die. Was Sarah Lee, I believe. Uh, Sarah Lynn, yeah. Sarah Lynn. So uh, yeah, you. Th- and you then visited your one of your old friends and probably would have had sex with her daughter. I don't. You I don't. Then, think, I don't think he would have had sex with the daughter. I think he would have. I, don't I think, think so. it's pretty much uh, a done deal in that way. But anyways, it lists off all these things that he continually does and has chosen to do. This is not even if you want to take the Brett Kavanaugh defense. Like he was not drunk and making these decisions. He was knowingly making these decisions, and uh, is knowingly taking pills that are affecting his. His, uh, his work and his uh, mental state. And so, yes, he has now gone into rehab, and so hopefully this can push him into the right direction. But do not ever confuse this with a good person until he starts doing good things for the sake of doing good things and not just trying to manipulate people because he's doing good things. Well, and there's the episode that I think really hammers home how bad of a person he is, is the Hollyhock episode. Oh, where yeah. Hollyhock flies specifically to... Hollywood to see Bojack, her brother, because she misses him and she loves him. And he spends the entire episode looking for drugs. Yeah, like the whole episode. And almost gets her arrested. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible. Like, and I don't even know if he realizes what he did. I think he's completely clueless. I know. I think he knows he's screwed up, but I don't think he understands why that's such a big deal. Yeah. At least not yet. Because this, is, again, is supposed to be like a brother and sister dynamic for sure. Well, he blames her for dumping out the drugs. He's like, this is your fault in his oh, yeah. brain. It, it's classic asshole. It's like, it's not my fault. It's never my fault. It's everyone else's fault, right? Um, anyways, I mean, I don't know how much more we want to talk about this. I just think it's a great show. I think everyone should watch it. And lastly, Paul F. Tompkins is a national treasure, and I love his voice acting in this show. I think it's spot on. It's great that they're bringing in more – every season they bring in a little bit more depth to Peanut Butter or Mr. Peanut Butter. Yeah, because I, I think that's a really smart point you just brought up because I think he was definitely just comedy relief for the first couple seasons. And we've started to really unpack his character a lot in the last, you know, last, uh, I guess, three seasons or so of like, no, he's kind of sad in his own way. <laughs> Uh, which is which is interesting to see. There's actually a, basically an episode that's all to do with him this this year. Well, it's interesting because you never the one thing I don't think we've ever seen yet is is Mr. Peanut Butter by himself. Yeah, Just truly by himself, so we can like see what he's like beyond what he wants to project to other people. Mm-hmm. It was interesting this series where Bojack almost got a legitimate girlfriend. Oh, like his co-star? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. But again, we we kind of know not miss, maybe necessarily where this is headed, but we know it's not going to end well. Like it just it's Bojack. We know it's not going to end well. Yeah. Uh I also have to say big shout out this season to Rami Malek uh in his character which is Chip, I think, or Flippy or something like that. Uh anyways, 
the depiction of like Hollywood writers and them basically <laughs> being up their own butts about their own work, I thought was kind of spot on. It took me a, a, a couple episodes to be like, oh, that's Rami Malek. And then I went, wait, I knew he was in this season. Why didn't I automatically know that was Rami Malek? But he's just so, hi, I'm Flippy. Yeah, I'm Flippy. Uh, so the other show, yes, was was The Good Place. Have you watched any of The Good Place? Yeah, I watched season one. Haven't done season two yet. Oh, I watched man. season one because you told me to. And I can't remember. Did you like it? Hate it? It was great. Indifferent. Well, Ted Danson uh, is glorious as oh, so as good. usual. It almost so makes me good. want to watch Becker, but I'm never going to watch Becker. <laughs> no. Um, was that in BoJack where they make the reference to Becker? I think so. Yeah. I think it is, yeah. Which was interesting that I was watching both of these shows kind of concurrently at the same time, because how they say like, uh, it was a great analogy about how I love Cheers and I love Ted Danson, so of course I watched Becker, but it was a very bad show. But I watched it for three seasons, hoping it was going to get better because I loved everyone in it, but it never got better. And that is you as a person. I know there's a good, something good in there, but it just isn't there. Oh um, yeah, it was. It was in the eulogy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, I thought it was a great analogy. Uh, what I what I think is interesting is that if you, depending on what your age is, I think you're going to either know Ted Danson is basically more from Cheers or from his appearances in Curb Your Enthusiasm. It really depends on, on where you fit on that. And regardless of that, whether it's like I know him from Cheers primarily or I know him from his like guest appearances and, and other stuff or on CSI, that but sort of thing. Not, two, I think not that three men and a baby? Maybe three men and a baby, although that's around the cheers time. Is uh, three men, a baby, and a ghost. I think that he is putting in some of his best work in this show. I think he's just he's just really really spot on. And this is basically it's a, a mini spoiler, so I apologize. But a mini spoiler for season two is that you get to see him behind a bar again, and it just feels like so natural and right <laughs> to see Ted Danson behind a bar. Um, they do some really interesting things in season two. I'm not going to get too much into it until you watch it, because I'd love to talk about it a little bit more with you. But my biggest fear when the when the show started even, and I was a little bit, again, kind of like BoJack, uh, although I warmed to the good place quicker, was it's like, fine, it's a fine show. And then it kind of picks up the comedy, and you start to really love the characters. And then there's that big reveal that happens at the end of season one. But it's like, well, how, but how, where do they go with this, right? Like, where do they, do they stay here? Like, where does this progress to? Like, how does this evolve? And they do answer that very cleverly, I think, here in season two. And hopefully, it'll continue in season three, which is debuting, like we said here tonight as well. So I think they're continually evolving this world and actually growing out the lore a whole lot, which I think is pretty fascinating. I never thought when I first started watching this show, that this would be something that we would have to contend with, like, how does the world work? And, like, what are the backstories of all of these side characters? And how does this uh, whole uh, entire, like, reality work together? Can people and, learn morality? Well, that, uh, uh, that, that that is also the subtext that's going on. But I think that's what I love about season two, is that you start to see the character development of the Ted Dancing character. Well, in, in really interesting ways. My favorite, my favorite moment him. of season one, yeah, was when he uh, maniacally laughs and says, "I can't believe it took you this long to figure it out." Right. And when his maniacal laugh is not kind of like the normal maniacal laugh, it's this interesting Ted Danson twist on it, and I loved it. 
Yeah. Um, I think that is what season two leans on a whole lot, which is can people... This is actually a really fascinating conversation to talk about, actually, right after the BoJack conversation, is that can people who are bad, I'll put quotes around that, can bad people become good, is basically what it's asking. Can people change themselves to a degree where they embrace morality and not because they want to get something for themselves, but because they start to believe that that's the right thing to do. Is that something that can possibly happen? Yeah. And I think that the show specifically is pretty positive on this, uh, but we'll see, I guess where other seasons go to. I'd love to see like season three end on a really sour note or something like that. All right. Let's uh, (laughs) see. Let's power through the last four topics here. I wanted to give you a little bit of a, a, a mention of Iron Fist. Yeah, tell me about Iron Fist. I'm not going to watch this, Grant. There's no way I'm going to watch this. It was, let's say the first season was a two. This season was six and a half, seven. Okay. It so was, it got better, but still not like, it's a it's a fine show then at this point. Yeah, and I think how they ended season two, season three is going to be balls hard to the wall. Like, balls I to a ho- glass window where you see all the weird veins and bumpy things. I wish you could see my face right now. I am positively disgusted. <laughs> I can I can see it because I have a camera in your office. Oh boy. Um but it's uh it delves into a lot of better things. The still the weakest part is the fighting with Danny Rand. Um yeah. uh, when you have Connie Wang or Wing uh doing fighting, she's great. You can tell people that have dance backgrounds you know, normally dance backgrounds and, and fighting backgrounds, they can do the fights well uh, because they can learn choreography and all this stuff. I just don't think Finn Jones has that experience. And they have to cut around him, you know, especially when they're filling a fight with people that are clearly stunt people that know what they're doing. And they have to right, cut around right. Finn Jones. That's the weakest part of the show. Uh, but I forget what his, his the, um, the other guy's name is in Iron Fist. Um, but he, he's the guy that was running Rand... Uh, ran Enterprises or whatever it's called. I never watched any of this show, so I'm going to be of no help. Okay. Uh, but his character developed a lot. He was kind of an enemy in the the first season, uh, but now he's uh, uh, really getting uh, Daniel's back, and he acts like his brother. The end of the season, they go off on a quest to China to learn more about uh, one of the older Iron, F- Iron Fists. Right. And because the the guy that uh, Danny fought to become the Iron Fist back in Kunlun uh, comes back and uh, basically steals the Iron Fist from Danny by using a piece of this uh, old uh, this old Iron Fist. So it's uh, this game named Davos. So they both grew up together in Kunlun learning uh, whatever fighting style they use, uh, martial arts. And so he comes to the city, steals the Iron Fist, and the whole show is about half the show is about Danny and Colleen and um, Meacham uh, trying to get the Iron Fist back. And then Danny at some point realizes that he was drunk on the Iron Fist, that he uh, that his identity was purely the Iron Fist. So instead of transferring the Iron Fist back to him, he transfers it to Colleen. Mm. 
and Colleen becomes the Iron Fist, and she's protecting uh, Hell's Kitchen and uh, other parts of New York in place of Daredevil, in place of Danny Rand. And the last – I'm just going to spoil it. I don't give a mm-hmm. shit. The, la- the last couple scenes, uh, Colleen pulls out her sword and lights up her fist, and the whole sword lights up. And you're just okay. like, what the fuck is going on? What is happening? And then the very last scene, Ward Meacham, who is running Rand Enterprises, um, is on the quest with Danny to find information about the body of the old Iron Fist that was transported from uh, overseas to the city, to New York, for this ceremony to happen. And so Ward is talking to these people. Is like, we know who you are. We know that you shipped this over there. We need to know where your boss is. And the guy plays dumb, obviously, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, Ward pushes him on this. And then all of a sudden, this guy's colleague stands up. And, you know, he's like a six-foot-tall, seven-foot-tall behemoth. And Ward just looks up and goes, okay. Well, I guess you're going to have to deal with my partner. And he walks away. And Danny Rand stands up, pulls back. He looks like uh, Mal from Firefly, trench coat, kind of brown. He pulls back his trench coat, revealing shoulder holsters for two pistols. And you're like, what the fuck's going to happen here? He grabs the two pistols, both of his fists lights up, and his guns light up. And he shoots a bullet out of the air. And you're just like, what happened? Oh my god! I don't know what happened. I, it just, I'm it, so like, confused. It, like that last five minutes of season two is just blows blew my mind because I didn't expect it. I love being surprised. You know, I I thought when they revealed Colleen Wing with the sword, I'm like, oh, the show's over. I'm gonna press stop now. And then it was black for a couple seconds, and came back to Ward sitting at the bar. Mm-hmm. Now, have they talked at all about the other secret, like ancient fighter? Of, of, uh, of Carbon Fist. Yes. The, yes. Mo- the most uh, uh, abundant fist in the universe. Right, because I, I, I imagine that you have the Iron Fist and the Carbon Fist would join forces and, you know, become the Steel Fist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing, nothing stronger than Steel. Well, you got to get them to make a baby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's only been one uh, female Iron Fist, so. You, you mean an, an Iron Fistette? So we need we need uh, one of the carbon fists or one of the iron fists to become female, you know, somehow. Okay, let's. No, uh, there's something with the frogs. I'm sure it'll happen. Yeah, the chlorine in the water is making frogs gay or something. Whatever. Alex, making the frogs gay. Whatever yeah. Alex is saying these days, Alex Jones. Okay, Bond Twenty Five is a new director, and it's boy, so- has there been stuff happening since the last time we recorded? Because I think we talked about Danny Boyle being the director the last time. And that is certainly not the case now. Well, there was, I believe, the the issue was uh, Daniel Craig and Danny Boyle had a disagreement on who should play the villain. Is what I think the last thing I heard was. So, whatever. Well, I think the well the subtext that I keep hearing is that I mean, knowing Danny Boyle and the type of films that he makes, I'm sure he was trying to do something really like frenetic and 
like weird and like just very Danny Boyleish with with Bond. Well, I also and, I also believe he had a 15 minute period where Bond was on the British Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. And then of course cut off his own hand before jumping into a really dirty toilet. It was basically all his hits. He was he was trying to make it all work. Uh, I think not to bury the lead here too much, but it's Kerry Fukunaga, Fukunaga. I can never say the last name. Fukunaga, who is coming aboard, which means it is the first time a non-British director is going to direct a James Bond film, which is kind of exciting. I, um, of course, am excited because of his work on True Detective. Although, as some people have stated online, let's not get too excited because like the last three projects that Kerry Fukunaga has been announced for, he has also left. So we'll see if this actually uh, goes through or well, not. What I would, it makes me excited. I like, if I if Kerry does, it would be really fascinating if he does, you know, that, you know, episode long one shot. That's not really episode long. It was like seven minutes of the one right. take going over fences and stuff like that. If, if he used more longer shots, because fight right. scenes are so much better when you're not cutting all over the place you could move the camera all over the place but let's see a fight scene that actually plays out in real time uh, I, I would love that. it that would be really cool i think the biggest thing that gets me excited though honestly is that i think the director choice is is bold and interesting but it's the fact that i think what daniel craig really really wants because again it sounds like this really is going to be the last time that he plays the bond character if uh, unless they back up another Brinks truck of money to him, is that he wants this to be his from Russia with love, is what he has stated. And I think that's a really interesting choice because that is a really cool film in the Bond franchise because uh, it's probably the most spy-oriented James Bond ever was, uh, at least in the earlier films. But I think if Carrie stays on, we got... You know, his last two TV shows that he directed on was is Maniac, that's just out recently, uh, and True Detective, obviously. He wrote on The Alienist, yeah, which I really like. He wrote it. I mean, Beast of No Nations, he did all that stuff on. So clearly, we're going to have a guy who's not only a cinematographer, not only a director, but also a writer. So he's going to see from all those different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And he, I don't think he, he'll be as much of a pushover because of his strengths. He's like a tripod. You know, he, he, he's, a, you know he's one of the strongest shapes, a triangle. <laughs> okay. Not an arch? You're going to go with the triangle. Okay. Well, I, I don't think an arch is a shape, but we could say a cone, I guess. I don't know. A, I guess a cone. A, a, a cylinder with an arch on top? His penis is a cylinder is what we're trying to say. Now let's and... talk about Donald Trump's mushroom head. No, that's that's fine. <laughs> I knew you were uh, saying that. I was just a non sequitur. Anyway, I just I don't know. I don't know if you, we kind of glossed over it. But what do you feel about this being basically a lower key, like a, like a from Russia with love, like it's a more low key story, which takes place a lot, like on a train, is basically uh, that movie. Uh, I like that one a lot, actually. I remember when we did our James Bond deconstruction, that this was like my second favorite next to. Uh, Goldfinger from the early years. Oh, I wonder if I know where those my notes are anymore for that. Mine are destroyed for sure. 
I wonder if I used the document or not. Yeah, but um, yeah, I like From Russia with Love. At this point, the Bond movies are a little bit removed from my brain. Yeah, I know. It's been a few years since we actually powered through and watched them all. But I gotta, I gotta get back into it. I look at my DVDs, uh, my DVD set for the 25 anniversary. Yeah. I go, yeah, I should really do that again. But it's, it's funny because whenever 25 year anniversary. Wasn't it the 25 anniversary or 50th? 50th. It was here a few years ago. Yeah. So they released this box set of the 50th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like as I get more distance from Quantum of Solace, I don't, I don't hate it as much as I used to. Quantum of Solace works better if you watch it exactly after Casino Royale. For me, at least. It, gets, it makes it better. By a standalone film, I don't think it really works all that great. But as a, as a companion piece, I think it's fine. Uh, Spectre definitely does not hold up. So let's oh, and, and I do love like I love 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 um, Skyfall. I don't think Spectre ever held up because we no. all knew he was Blofeld. Yeah, I mean, like, if they why just came, if they just came secret? into if they just came into it saying he's Blofeld, I probably would have enjoyed it more. But well, because I, I'm so annoyed, even... I was so annoyed watching the movie. I was like sitting there, arms crossed, going, "Yeah, I know." Not, well, not only that, but then they had to make the stupid like we were brothers. Don't you remember that we were brothers? Like, where did this come from? This is so weird. Anyways. So let's move on to more superhero stuff really quick before we end. Uh, there was an article that said female superheroes shouldn't punch old women because the Captain Marvel trailer has her punching an old woman in the trailer. Yeah. And she's like, ah, you never see Superman do that. And all the nerds out there is like, she's a scroll. Yeah, obviously. She's a shapeshifter. Do not do any research. And – to be fair, in the article, she says she might be a bad person in disguise or maybe the old woman has a nuclear bomb, to be fair. But she's talking about the optics. It's like what studio wants to have a superhero punching an old woman? And I kind of see her point there. But all the nerds that, we're gonna, that are going to see it anyway and drag their girlfriends and boyfriends, both of which don't exist. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, uh, my girlfriend. Or maybe they exist at the same time. Okay, my, we're not my, gonna. We're at the kink shame here. My my, uh, my girlfriend in Canada is just gonna watch it at the same time as me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll we'll have our our Bluetooths in so we can hear each other's reactions. Um, but you know, so every every nerd on the internet was just like, "It's a scroll. Do some research, bitch." I mean, so I mean, obviously okay. we shouldn't go well, that that's... far. That's a little rough. But every you know, it's just like. Clearly, she should have done a modicum of research before she wrote that article because she said – if she would have said – clearly she is uh, – well, she said she might be a mutant in disguise, uh, which is funny because Marvel doesn't have the rights to mutants yet. So she shouldn't have said that. And uh, if you know anything about the movie, it's all about scrolls that are shape-shifting aliens. So if she would have done the minimum amount of research, which would have been just reading the plot synopsis for Captain Marvel – uh, which is probably five lines. Mm-hmm. Captain Marvel receives her powers from Marvel. She was a fighter pilot. She's now fighting shape-shifting aliens. Boom. She could have figured it out right there. Sounds like a non-issue to me. Well, it's just annoying, especially you know, like why, and especially comparing Captain Marvel, who is a complex character, to a more simplistic character, at least in the movies so far of Superman because I'm pretty certain this lady hasn't read the comics so she doesn't know how well, complicated anyway. We don't know that but um <clears throat> by the way we should just I don't want to talk about this in any deeper way but things are kind of imploding over at DC 
in, in that they just lost their Superman and Batman at the same time. Well, is is uh, Cavill officially out? Officially, officially? Because I his, thought so. his agent tweeted that the cape still resides in Cavill's closet. Well, that might be true, but that's him just admitting that he's stolen from wardrobe. So Michael B. Jordan is Superman? Okay, I'm on board. Yeah, that's confirmed. <laughs> uh, and then uh, to... Uh, Finish out superhero stuff. Marvel streaming shows. They want to delve into the lesser characters like Loki, Scarlet Witch, and others. Hopefully others means Hawkeye because I would be watching that. Little six-episode series of Hawkeye. I'm on board. This is going to be on, like, the Disney streaming service? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think they got a lot. Like, I mean, again, I I don't think they've actually come out and said exactly how much it's going to cost. But if they kept it fairly inexpensive, I think they have to make it cheaper than Netflix, personally. Well, I heard... Like, if I they heard... do, like, a seven ninety nine or eight ninety nine, and they have Marvel, all the Disney stuff. Uh, what else do they have? They have the Muppets. They have... What are the properties? Pixar. Like, that is such a killer streaming service And then at that Fox, point. at some and point. Then, yeah, all the Fox stuff, right? Uh, that is the other big question, is, like, are the Simpsons going to go over there? Is Futurama going to be on that? Like, I mean... And if that's true, that's like, whoa. Like, that is that is some killer content that you have over there. And then Family Guy, which no one else cares about but me. Yeah, well, how is Stewie doing? Uh, well, Stewie, uh, you know, Supreme Court pick Kavanaugh is going to get up, uh, voted in tomorrow. And the next 50 years is going to be horrible for women. Because <laughs> the last 50 were so great. Hey, women, if you want your abortions, get them soon. Wow. Uh-huh. And if you don't have to get an abortion, get pregnant really quick so you can get an abortion. I think I'm hoping, this is my opinion and only my opinion, I just want to say that, is that the people who state that voting isn't important, I really do believe that this shows that you're incorrect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's uh, the reason why they don't want to replace Kavanaugh, just simply replace him with somebody else that has almost the exact same politics as Kavanaugh, is because Kavanaugh has specifically said that a sitting president cannot be indicted. Right. Which is so, clearly what they're going for. It's, it's, it's just... And I know that, and I know that that looks awful. If I can just be, like, devil's advocate for just a second, uh, I was actually listening to an episode of The Daily that was talking about this. That's the, the New York Times podcast that comes out every Monday through Friday. They do the, these short, like, 20-minute to 30-minute episodes about a specific topic. And they really deconstructed that that t- thing. And I, I think it is partisan. And I think it is uh, him changing his mind, absolutely. He worked in the in the Bush White House. but Well, he was also on the Star Council against Bill Clinton. Right. And I think, right, I, again, there's hypocrisy all around here. I'm, I'm not trying to defend him on well, that. Well, it was, it was funny because but, uh, Lindsey Graham today got super pissed off during the thing. And he's like, you dams, this is the most atrocious thing anyone's ever done in this a country. The worst thing that's ever happened. You just want to keep the seat. Now, listen, you just want to keep the seat open till 2020 so you can pick one. Right. Just like hashtag Merrick Garland. Right. I mean, are you that oblivious? I I mean, I don't want to get into all all of that. Well, no, I just want to because I agree. And I I agree with with all of that. I mean, it's all posturing. Both Democrats and Republicans all. Yes, that is that's their main goal is they want to get the right. The the people on their team in the in the highest offices of the land and protect protect Trump for some reason. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't get it. But I mean, the, well, I do get it in, in a grandiose way. There's probably some sort of dealings going on behind uh, what we're seeing as a public. So he, Lindsey Graham is probably getting some deal that we just don't know of yet. Probably he's going to get sec- or um, whatever Jeff attorney general is right now. Attorney general. He's probably going to get the attorney general spot. Well, it's, 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 Anyways, it's... Grant, here's my point okay, I'm trying to build up to is the fact <laughs> my devil's advocate position is that I kind of agree with the thrust that a sitting president shouldn't be indicted until he's done his presidency. Uh, I can kind of get that argument in that um, it's not that he didn't do anything wrong and should he face justice? Absolutely. But should he do that while he is also the president? Let him do his president stuff. Then after his four years, then yes, indict him, convict him, and then have him go to jail. Um, well, I, I get the somewhat of the argument that goes on there to a degree. I, I, I don't agree, mm-hmm. but I also uh, understand that, yeah, uh, once the presidency is over, he can be indicted. Uh, some people say that he can be indicted now for stuff he did before his presidency. Sure. It's, it's all over the place. I mean, you got constitutional scholars that are just like, I don't fucking know, man. Maybe. Well, that's the thing. Like, there there is nothing written in here. Is like, this is not... Donald Trump, like he quoted in his uh, in his campaign race, this is not him shooting somebody and killing him in the middle of Times Square. This is him probably doing something ethically questionable and probably doing something. I, I still don't think that this is well, we're going to get into politics again, and we're really not justified to talk about it. I still don't think that it has really been proven that Donald Trump knowingly colluded with any like foreign powers. No, I, I, I definitely think that people around him did hundred percent. I think it's very clear that that's happened. And I think the Mueller investigation is circling around and just doing all their due diligence. They've obviously found uh, some pretty bad people that Trump hired. And that definitely shows poor judgment. I still don't think it shows that Trump was like, yeah, let's collaborate with Russia so that I can win the presidency. Well, I just I, don't think that's what happened. If Mueller had access to his tax returns, I think this would be a little bit of a different story. Because oh, yeah. I, I think it's clearly... there on line five. It's there on line five. V Putin, $75 million. Yeah. It's, just, it's right there. So uh... plus, <laughs> plus one soiled urine soaked sheet. That Obama slept in. It's unwashed right. from Obama, and now it's covered in urine. Right, right. So imagine this has been that, whatever this imagine is. Imagine that in his safety deposit box. Like Trump Ugh. dies, and Don Jr. and Ivanka go to the safety deposit box to open it up, and they're like, what the fuck is this? What the hell? I would just like to see whoever is going to be the next president of the United States. You know how like the previous president writes a letter to the incoming president? I really want to know what Trump's letter is going to be to the incoming president. Well, no, it's think, it's just in the in the resolute desk. It's just going to be in the top drawer, a giant shit. It's it, going to be a giant shit, and then just one word: sad. <laughs> the shit somehow will be in the shape of a middle finger. Yeah, which should be impressive, honestly. I'd be like, man, this guy is good at drawing with his shit. Yeah, bravo, actually. Uh, This has been Whatever This Is. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to get in contact with us for whatever reason, whateverpod at gmail.com is a way you can do that. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, we're at whateverpod at all of those places. And you can you know follow me personally, which is I'm at the Kyle Marshall. And I will say, if you are interested even a little bit about musical theater, which why wouldn't you be if you listen to this show, 
my new podcast called Putting This Together is something I'm really proud of. I think it honestly is one of the best things I've ever created. So if you like Stephen Sondheim and want to go song by song through his entire body of work, you should start listening to that. I still and haven't Grant, gotten on it yet, so sorry. Oh, you have to get on that bandwagon, tw- uh, uh, Grant. I know. Everyone's listening to it. <laughs> uh, Grant, what's your Twitter? Uh, Twitter.com slash Fejimans, F-E-J-I-M-A-N-Z, or Zed, depending upon what country you're in. Hey, do you ever play those video, uh, those trivia games online? I think you mentioned one time that you played HQ like twice. Uh, yeah, I played it a few times. The farthest I think I got was like seventh or like or not or like uh, the seventh question. And then I've just been too busy. Anytime I get the notification that they're about to start, I'm like, I, I can't. You should add me as a friend. My name is Fejimans. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Uh, and um, so the other day, there's another one called the Q Trivia. And what is, what's the conceit of, uh, behind that? It's the same thing. Okay, it's the exact same thing. So I won 91 cents. Whoa, how many people were in the pool? Uh, starts with about 5,000, or yeah, about 5,000, and they give away 500 bucks, so. So I have to do the math here? Uh, how many people were in, like, the final question? I don't know. Okay. But it's got to cool. be about that's... 100 bucks, right? Or 100 people, right? What was the final question you had to answer? And let me see I if can't I can answer rem- I can't remember. What were one of the questions you had to answer? I can't remember. Oh, man. Okay. But I, I knew every single one What's a one question you could ask me right now? Uh, what are, what, uh, who is the oldest Disney princess? Belle, Ariel, mm-hmm. or Jasmine? Belle, Ariel. Uh, uh, Ariel. It's Belle. She was what? in her twenties. Where Ariel? Oh, I see. Th- I see what you're saying. I thought you meant like when did they their movies come out? But I see. I see. Yeah, it's a, right. it was a good question that I got wrong. I was all the way to the end of the Disney HQ trivia, and the last yeah. question twelve was that. That's a that's a tricky question right there. Well, it was the f- I I I was like I don't know I don't know I don't know, and I started thinking about it, and I clicked Jasmine, and then right when I clicked Jasmine, I'm like, you fucking idiot! It's clearly Belle. Yeah, she definitely is older. It's clear. It's, I hate it when you have the 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 fun thing about trivia, like when we play games and we do when we do the trivia stuff, you know, I give you like sometimes a minute to think it over yeah right when and that's ha- easier when you have like that 10 seconds i'm like uh this one but i hate that i hate that feeling when i answer something on like impulse and then i'm immediately like oh no it's this one of course it's this one yeah i've taken two more seconds to think about it i of course would have come to well this there's one. the two there's the two things that suck when you're like uh there was where's the spam museum it was minnesota ohio or texas were the options and i was like it's clearly minnesota and then i thought for a second no ohio and I'm like, Ohio, and it was Minnesota. And I was like, God damn it. But I, yeah, I yeah. always – I normally stick around to the end of the game to see if I would miss another question. And I feel so much better when there's another question I, I totally didn't know. And I'm like, oh, good. I would have lost anyways. I think that's our new podcast title, Spam Museum. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I thought for sure the Spam Museum would be in Hawaii because Spam is a yeah, of, right. of their diet. In- invented right or something over well in no it was because it's it's an interesting story about how spam became almost the hawaiian dish uh because no one has ever said that sentence in their entire lives because uh when all the military was there the military would eat you know tons of canned spam all the time and so it slowly spread Lovely out from spam. the military base spam 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 wonderful spam 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 and so it's it spread out from the bases and and everybody just kind of cling to it and so now uh, traditional Hawaiian breakfast includes uh, Spam. I've never had Spam in my entire life, and I kind of refuse to have it. <laughs> <laughs>